Welcome to week number four in our series in the book of James that we're calling a blueprint for making faith work. And uh, we're, we're working our way through uh, the book of James and, and we're actually learning an awful lot. Uh, I hope you are as, as well as I am really. Uh, our first message we talked about trials and temptations and the difference between the two and how really God wants us to overcome both of those situations. Then we talked about in week number two about listening and and really living it out, that we're to be not only hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. And then last week, uh, we looked at what I think uh, was kind of a surprise to many of us, uh, how practical uh, the Bible is, uh, particularly on the subject of favoritism, and and that there should be no favoritism shown uh, in the life of a Christian toward anyone. And and I I know, heard a lot of feedback about that. Uh, People like, I had no idea, but there. It's not just in James chapter 2, it's all throughout the Bible. And so uh, James is a very, very practical book. In fact, I've heard it referred to as Proverbs uh, in the New Testament. And and now we're, we're coming up on a passage... That's, uh, that's, that's really kind of tough. We're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. And um, uh, I, I know that uh, I'm coming to you this, on Sunday morning by way of recording. And the reason for that is Susie and I are, are in Virginia, uh, moving in two of our daughters at Liberty University over the course uh, of the next week. And we have two guest speakers coming up over the next few weeks. I hope you make plans to be here. It's going to be great just moving right along in the book of James uh, as well. Uh, And then one thing I'm real excited about, uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, Sunday of Labor Day weekend, I'm going to be preaching live in Poughkeepsie. And I uh, hope, hope you make plans to be there, those of you in Poughkeepsie, and maybe some of you like to flip and see what that's all about up there in Poughkeepsie. But I'm going to be live there uh, over Labor Day weekend, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. And, and uh, we're just continuing until we finish this book, uh, just about in the middle of September, uh, with the book of James. But this is a tough one. We want to talk about faith works. Faith works. Now, an interesting thing about this passage in particular, uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, he actually thought that the book of James should be torn out of the Bible, eliminated from the canon of Scripture. In fact, he referred to it as the epistle of straw. And the reason primarily was because of this passage we're going to read tonight uh, that we're going to be looking at because it is so commonly misunderstood and confused. So I'm going to take it kind of slow here, uh, but it has everything to do with faith and faith works, that that we're to have works as a result of the faith that we have. Uh, And and really there's all kinds of extremes uh, that that we want to avoid when it comes to faith. I remember, uh, for for instance, when I was in college, my wife and I, uh, we met in college and we went to a Bible college down in Pensacola, Florida. And, and I remember one Friday night, we all ate together in, in the cafeteria, all the student body, about between 5 and 6.30. And, and one of the guys walks in, and he rings the bell, which was like the announcement bell. And, and he tells everyone, I just want to inform everyone that my faith has gotten so strong that tonight I'm going to walk on water. Yeah, exactly. So, so he said, uh, the apartment complex right down the road, a couple of off-campus students live there. He goes, I'm going over to the pool, and I'm going to walk on water because my faith is that strong. Anyone who wants to join me, be there at 7.30. People ask me, Greg, you going? I said, I ain't wasting my Friday night. Why don't I just go see a fool, try to walk on water? <laughs> They're like, man, you sure are sour, aren't you? No, I was right. When the guy walked in soaking wet to the dorm right after that, we realized faith wasn't all everything that he thought it was supposed to be. 
True story. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Faith isn't meant to be some circus sideshow for the enjoyment and entertainment of people. But, but the, the Bible makes it very clear there's a purpose for our faith. And faith is at the very, very heart of the gospel. In fact, before we even turn to James, let me just kind of frame this whole discussion, this time of study that we have together, uh, with some really important verses so that we get a real strong foundation about what faith is all about and the importance of it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we've looked at this in times past here at, at Valley Christian Church. It says, For is by grace you've been saved through faith. How are we saved? It's through faith. Watch this now. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. The very ability to believe, we call faith, it comes from God. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Look at this, it's so important as we frame this study right now. Not by works. It's not by works that we're saved. It's by faith. And that faith comes from God. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. If, if you and I were saved, if we were forgiven of our sins because we did a lot of really good works, we could boast, look what I did. But, but Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 makes it very, very clear. It's by grace we've been saved through faith. And that faith doesn't even come from something we muster up inside. But it's literally the gift of God, not by works. Very important not by works so that no one can boast. Really important, this whole idea of not by works, that's not what saves us in light of what we're going to be studying. And then this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, is really important. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. That it is impossible for you and I to do anything that pleases God without faith. And so faith is at the heart of the gospel. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so just those two verses, and there's a lot that we could go through, but for the sake of time, we just can't do it all. But, but I think those two are probably uh, really important and bedrock, if you will, with our understanding of this discussion of faith works and, and that faith really does works and the place of works in our faith. And so faith needs a corresponding action, and that's what the Bible calls works. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, if you, if you uh, maybe some of you remember, how many of you remember riding bicycle? It's a lost art, isn't it? Uh, you know, uh, I remember growing up, it's like, we just, summertime would come, you eat breakfast, and then you just walk out of the house, and you didn't have to come back home until it got dark. And we would ride our bikes everywhere. I grew up in Hopewell Junction right off of Lake Walton Road. I used to ride my bike right down Route 82 with no hands. How about that? There wasn't even, <laughs> there wasn't even a traffic light or anything. I mean, this was so small. It, it, you had to watch out for the cows crossing the road. That's how Hopewell Junction was when I was growing up here as a kid. And, and, and so we'd ride our bikes all over the place. And, and one thing, I remember one time uh, when I was riding my bike, I saw a guy, funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, trying to ride his bike. And you know what happened? The pedal was broken. One of the pedals was broken. I mean, snap right off. Can you imagine? This joker was on, the, and he's trying to ride it with one pedal broken. So you push it down with this foot, and then you pull it up with this foot. And you push it down, and then you pull it up. He was going nowhere fast. This is what faith and works. Faith and works are like the two pedals on the bicycle. You need them both. And that's what we're going to find. Works doesn't save us. 
But because of our faith, you know what just is the byproduct of faith in God? Works. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So now let's pick up in James, right where we left off last week. James chapter 2, verse 14. And James makes this incredible statement. What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds or no works? Can such faith, can such faith save them? And this primarily, this is the real confusing verse. And a lot of confusion and just kind of bad theology spun out of this verse right here. And so that's what we're going to take our time and methodically kind of move through the rest of this passage in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Because then James begins to talk about uh, what faith is not. He, he talks about uh, lifestyle of faith, and he gives some bad examples of what really faith is not. Next verse, in, in verse uh, Actually, before we go there, uh, we we're talking about lifestyle of faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, there's an important verse that I think we need to consider. And it says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And, and so what we're going to look at in James is kind of a test. It's an examination. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you failed the test? And, and as we go through this in James chapter 2 tonight, here's the thing. God's rooting for you. God is rooting for me. He's like, pass the test of faith. But, but understand, this is an exam. This is a self-test that, that James is going to take us through in, in James chapter 2. And, and so uh, remember, God's for you. He's like, come on, you can do this. Pass the test. And, and so let's look at these lifestyles of faith that James begins to outline here. First of all, faith that is dead. He said, you know what? There's a faith that some say they have faith in God, but it's really a dead faith. Let's look at what he says. James 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, it, if, it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, if you and I say, I have faith in God, I have faith in Jesus Christ, he's my savior, he forgave me of my sins, but there is no accompanied action as a result of that, James is saying, you need to really ask yourself, do you have faith? Because faith produces a change. Faith produces a different perspective. When we put our faith in Christ, he begins to change us. He changes our heart. He changes our perspective. He changes our priorities. And all for the better. And so James calls this dead faith. In the same way, faith all by itself, we say, I believe in Jesus but there's nothing in our, he's my savior, but there is nothing in our life whatsoever that, that has any corresponding action to that statement. James says, that's dead faith. Faith without works, faith without action, faith without fruit is dead faith. And, and so what does this look like in a practical way? Uh, lip service, but no lifestyle that corresponds to what we say with our mouth. Lip service, but not a lifestyle change. Or how about this, leaves but no fruit. Leaves but no fruit. Many of you know the story, Jesus came upon a fig tree one time, and he was going to get some figs, he couldn't find any figs on it. All he found were leaves, and he cursed the tree because it wasn't fruitful. And the disciples were like, whoa, Jesus, what are you doing that for? 
He said, it's not fulfilling his purpose. He cursed it. They go on down the city. They come back by later on, and it's completely withered and died. And Jesus is like, we're supposed to bear fruit. And, and so faith that is dead is just lip service. We, we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. Our lives don't reflect the statement that we make that Jesus is my Savior. Or we're like a tree that has leaves but no fruit, and it's supposed to be bearing fruit. And so that's faith that is dead. But there's another kind of faith as well. There's three different kinds of faith we're going to look at. The first kind is faith that is dead. Here's, here's the second kind of faith. Faith that's deceived. Faith that's deceived. Now, this is, this is really amazing, the statement that James makes here, that, that you can have faith. Having an intellectual uh, agreement that Jesus is the Savior doesn't really change things. Watch this now. He makes this incredible statement. Faith that is deceived. James chapter 2, verse 19. Look at the next verse. He says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Demons are not atheists. Think about it. Even demons know there's a God. James says demons, demons give intellectual assent, acknowledgement. Oh, there's a God? Absolutely. That's why they obeyed Jesus when he commanded them to leave, because he was God. And they said, why do you trouble us before our time? But they don't act on that statement, that, that faith. You believe there's a God? Good. Even the demons do that. But they, they, don't, they don't allow it to change them. And so this is what we refer to as deceived faith. Faith is deceived. Doesn't help them at all. What does this look like? Knowledge with no change. Faith is not knowledge. It's more than that. Faith is trust. Faith is, I'm surrendering everything to God. Knowledge with no change. Second, no love for Jesus. Demons have no love for Jesus. No love for Jesus. Or the third thing, let me put it this way, <laughs> rebellion with no repentance. That's, that's the problem. Rebellion with no repentance. What is repentance? To change direction. And that, that's the, the natural response to our faith, that we turn around, that we stop, and we go back in the opposite direction. That's what repentance means. And so first we see James talks about, in James chapter 2, verse 17, faith is dead. And then he talks about, in James chapter 2, verse 19, faith that is deceived. But then there's a third kind of faith. And this is the faith that God wants us, as I mentioned in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to test ourselves in. What is this third kind of faith? Faith that is dynamic. Faith that's dynamic. Faith that is alive. Faith that, that flows out of our lives, that causes our life to change and, and, and for us to touch people around us. Faith is dynamic. Look at verse 22, James chapter 2. It says, you see that his faith and his actions, speaking of Abraham, we're going to go back to this, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made completed by what he did. 
This is kind of the, the summary statement. Now we're going to unpack this because James begins to give some illustrations from Old Testament history about people of faith. Right here he's referring to Abraham, who's referred to as what? The father of our faith. The father of our faith. And it says, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. It's like that bicycle. Pedal, pedal. Pedal, pedal. Not just one, not just faith. James says, that's not faith. Faith and works. Faith and works. The faith comes first, and then it's the change that begins to happen. You see that, speaking of Abraham, his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Dynamic faith. Dynamic faith. And so let, let's talk about this. Let's, let's kind of drill down deep here in James now, as James does, and talk about what dy dynamic faith looks like. Dynamic faith. Look at verse 17, James chapter 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? Is dead. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by a change, by action, it's dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. In other words, we can say, I have faith in Jesus Christ. That should show some tangible expression on the outside in our lives, that it begins to change us, and it changes our attitude. As I said, it changes our actions. It changes our perspective. It changes our priorities. And that is the result of faith. This is dynamic faith. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You don't have to wonder, in other words, James is saying, if I have faith in Christ, you can see it in my life. You, you can see it in what I give myself to. You can see it in what matters most in my life. You, you don't have to wonder, James is saying, about me. You can see it in my deeds. You can see it in my actions. And, and I can remember this, uh, when I went back to coaching high school football in 2005, I coached at John Jay from 90 to 93, and then uh, my wife Susie got pregnant with our first daughter, and, and I hung up my whistle for almost 12 years, and, and we had three girls, and, and then in 2005, spring of 2005, she's like, honey, I think it's time. If you want to go back to coaching, you go right ahead. And uh, I got right up from the table and made a phone call. And, and I got hired back at John Jay again, new coaching staff and all. And, and I went there, and the head coach, life, lifelong friend of mine since I was about 16 years old, uh, was the head coach at the time. And, uh, and, and he, he was like, man, I want to tell all the guys you're a pastor. I was like, please don't. Please don't tell them I'm a pastor. Because they're going to treat me weird if they know I'm a pastor. I said, let them just get to know me. He's like, all right, whatever you want, whatever you want. And, and so I remember I got to coaching, and a week or two went by. And I remember all of a sudden... One of the players, you know, they're, they're all kind of like parrots. They're all like all around seeing what someone's going to say, and they play off that. And one of the players says to me, Coach Williamson, what's the deal with you anyway? I said, what are you talking about? I said, how come we've never heard you swear? We've been out here two and a half weeks. We've never heard you curse once. In fact, we've never even heard you raise your voice. What's the deal with you? And they're like, yeah, what's the deal with you? Are you some kind of sissy? Yeah, what's And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like this going nuts. And I said, well, I'm glad you noticed because I don't feel like I have to raise my voice to get my point across. I don't have to use salty language. I've heard it all before, but I don't feel like I need that. I, I said, and the real reason why I don't do it is because I'm a Christian. 
oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. And, what? and then just goes all throughout the team like that. But, but this, is what, this is what James is kind of saying here. Show me your, and, and uh, that, that's just an illustration. You follow? Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds, that there's a difference. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. We're supposed to live a contrasting life to those that don't know Christ. And that's what James is pointing to here. It, it all emanates out of faith. That's the starting point. And so this is not to say that we're saved by our works, not at all. But, but our works demonstrate that we are because it's the faith in us is changing us, our faith and our trust in God. So three, three things about dynamic faith that James talked about that I think is really important. The first one is this, dynamic faith steps out. Dynamic faith steps out. Dynamic faith that God wants every one of us to have, it takes action. It's not passive. It's a verb. Dynamic faith steps out. Back to James chapter 2 and verse 21. He uses this illustration of Abraham, the father of our faith. And listen to what he says. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? God had promised Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. And through your seed, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. In fact, he goes, at one point, he goes, Abraham, come on outside. He's speaking to him and goes, look up at the stars of the sky. He said, your descendants are going to be more than the stars of heaven. The sand on the beach, your descendants are going to be more than the sands on the beach. And the fact about men, they were unable to have kids. And they were way up in age. And when I mean way up, I mean way up. Like 70 to 80 but God promised them. Then, miraculously, they were able to have children. And they named that son Isaac. And then one day God spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. Whoa. This is the promised son. How am I going to be the father of many nations if I sacrifice, as I literally kill my son? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And literally, he built an altar, put Isaac on there. How would you like that? How many of your kids would obey you in that one? And, 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 and he literally took the, drew back the knife, and then God said, no. I've provided a sacrifice. And there was a lamb, there was a ram caught in the thicket. He said, sacrifice the ram, not your son. And that's where God reveals himself for the first time as, in Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. It's a beautiful story of Abraham's obedience. God knew he could trust him because of his obedience. And he said he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. Remember the bicycle. They're working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. This word complete, don't, don't get, the, get the wrong idea. It doesn't mean like it wasn't really faith. What this literally means is mature. Lacking nothing. His faith was made complete by what he did. And so this is dynamic faith that steps out. Uh, let me put it this way, and we have this on the screen. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequences. 
That's what faith is. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequences. God, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I trust you. I trust you, and I trust what you're telling me to do, regardless of the consequences. That's what faith is. And, and here's the thing. We can expect that in one way or another, our faith will have to grow from just internal trust to external action. And, and life will, God will allow us and navigate us through situations and circumstances when it's like, okay, it's not just faith on the inside. I want that to become action in your life. Dynamic faith steps out. Eventually, like Abraham, we too have to answer the question, do I really trust God no matter what? Do I really trust God no matter what the consequences are? That's dynamic faith. His faith was made complete by what he did, by his actions. It was made mature. It grew up. And so the first thing about dynamic faith is it steps out. The second thing about dynamic faith is this. Dynamic faith speaks out. Dynamic faith speaks out. It has a voice. Look at verse 25. He gives another analogy here. Uh, James does. He goes back to the Old Testament. Now, Abraham, see, it's, it's really kind of funny. Abraham, he throws out that illustration. People are like, well, he's the father of the faith. How can you compare us to him? And then he goes, okay, fine. Father of the faith, Abraham. Here's another illustration. Her name's Rahab. She was a prostitute. Oh, okay. Maybe you're somewhere in between there. And so this is the illustration. Dynamic faith speaks out. He says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off into a different direction? Now, what's going on here? This is when the children of Israel, God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. For 40 years, because of their disobedience, they went around and around in the wilderness. I'm giving you a cliff note version of the Old Testament, first part here. Okay, and, and then Moses died, and then Joshua was the next in command, and God led Joshua into the promised land, the armies of Israel, and they began to conquer Jericho. And then they come to, uh, they begin to conquer the cities one by one in the promised land. They come to the one-walled city here at Jericho, and, and Rahab is a prostitute. They go in there, they sneak in, they're, they're looking around, how are we going to conquer this thing? And this prostitute has already heard about What's going on? They're, 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 everyone in the whole nation, the whole land of the promised land is really, really afraid because they know uh, these guys are just destroying everything in their path. Everything in their path is getting torn up. And, and so what she literally says, they weren't supposed to give any shelter to the spies, anyone from Israel. She gives them shelter. The people in the city are looking for them, and she says, here, go this way, and she lets them out of the city in the safety. And she goes, will you please remember me? Remember me when you come to conquer this city? And Joshua goes, here's what I want you to do. It's a prostitute. When, when, when it comes time for us to, to take over and to plunder, just drop a red cord down from your room. And we'll make sure that anyone there is spared. It was a statement of faith. She gave him lodging, and she sent him off in a different direction. And, and this was faith. This was action. And in fact, what she says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9, we'll just flip there real quick. Look at what it says. This is what she actually says. Faith, dynamic faith, speaks out. I know the Lord has given you this land. 
That's faith. I know the Lord's done this. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. This is a prostitute. She doesn't know anything about Jehovah. She doesn't know anything about the God of Israel. But just like this, we know we're about to get conquered because your God's real. And so because of this, she was saved. Not only that, let me give you a little behind the scenes. Did you know that in the family line of Jesus, this Rahab is one of Jesus' ancestors? God worked through her line. This prostitute worked through her line to bring about Jesus himself. Amazing. Faith. Faith, dynamic faith speaks out. You know, sometimes we just need to speak out, don't we? Sometimes in the middle of a crisis, sometimes in the middle when when a storm is, is just upon us and it just seems like nothing is going right, sometimes we just need to speak out and say, things are gonna get better. This is not the end. This is not the end. God, I trust you. I I can't see the end. I don't know how this is going to all work out. But God, I trust you. Faith, dynamic faith speaks out. Sometimes, not just for us, sometimes you're going to be at work. I I think this is going to happen because you're going to hear this message. You, you, You may be at work this week. And you notice one of your coworkers is, is, is just down and having a hard time. And, and, and God's going to speak to you to say something meaningful to him. It may be something as simple as, you know what? I don't know what you're going through right now. You seem kind of down, but I want you to know I appreciate you. You're not alone. I believe in you. Faith, dynamic faith speaks out. The, the point of these two illustrations, Abraham on one side, and and Rahab on the other, is this, both of them did something because of their faith. Both of them took action because of their faith. They didn't just claim to have faith in God and sit silently by. Their faith led them to action. And true faith has not changed in all the centuries. You and I still have the same opportunity that Abraham had, that Rahab had. Dynamic faith steps out. Dynamic faith speaks out. Faith leads to action. Faith leads to action. Here's the third thing and the final thing about dynamic faith that James tells us. Dynamic faith works out. And I don't mean goes to the gym. That's not what this is saying at all. But, but dynamic faith works. That's, that's why just the, the most simple uh, title I could give this message is this. Faith works. Faith works. Faith is something that works. It works out. Dynamic faith works out. James chapter 2, verse 26 puts it this way. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith, if, if, here's the thing, if, if you have faith in Jesus, guess what? It will squeeze out through the pores in your skin if you try to stay quiet about it. If it's real, it's like it just, it just, it, it just sneaks out. Because faith works. Faith works, and, and, and even if it's everybody in the room is saying this is awful, and you're like, you know what? It is. But I'm trusting God in this, that somehow he's going to make it right. 
it, it just, it just, it'll just pop out of you. Faith works. Faith works out. I love in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, work hard. Watch this now. It's real clear. I love this in the New Living Translation. Work hard to do what? Show the results of your salvation. That's the works. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. How? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Work, work hard to show the results of salvation. That's what works is. We're not saved by those things. Let me put it this way. I've heard it said this way before. Christians aren't saved or forgiven by their works. Christians do works because they're forgiven. Because they're saved. It's the byproduct of the faith. Now, I started off talking about old Martin Luther who said that the book of James is the epistle of straw. He thought it should be pulled out of the canon of Scripture. But old Martin wasn't too bad, you know. All of us here, uh, Protestants, basically anything Christian besides Roman Catholicism, uh, we owe Martin Luther an awful lot. He, he was the first one to translate the Bible into the common language of the people from Latin into German language for the German people so that the common man could read it instead of having to go through someone else to explain it to them. He's a great reformer with John Calvin and Zwingli in Switzerland. And, and uh, Martin Luther said this about faith, and, and I, I wanted to end with this quote talking about faith, because Martin Luther got a whole, whole lot right when it came to the subject. Listen to how Martin Luther describes faith, and I quote, Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. Don't you love that? Faith is a busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. And it is, and so it is impossible for it not to do good works incessantly. That's what faith does. It does good works incessantly. It does not ask whether there are good works to, to do, but before the question rises, it has already done them and is always at the doing of them. He who does not these works is a faithless man. And so that, that's the whole thing about faith. As people of faith, you and I, those who have placed our, our life, placed our faith in Jesus Christ, you know what? We, we should be the most gracious of people because of our faith. We should be the most generous. We should volunteer to help the most. That's why volunteering in, in, in church, that's no small thing. That's part of our faith in action. We, we should volunteer in the community. We, we should always be willing. Look at how can I lend a helping hand? What can I do? Because, because of the faith that we have in Christ. That's what Martin Luther's talking about here. It doesn't ask whether there are good works to do, but before the question rises, it's already done them. I love that. It's a living, busy, active, a mighty thing. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to pray right now. And, and I want to pray that, that, that perhaps even as we've studied this in James uh, chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 14 through 26, that, that, that perhaps this... This test, as we've looked through these scriptures about faith, what faith is, dynamic faith, maybe you're here and, and you're saying, you know what? 
I, I think I've got a little of that faith, but I don't know how much action's coming out. I, I pray, and God does this, when his word is taught, when his word is preached, you know what, it, it causes faith to rise in us. And, and I just want to pray that, that our faith would grow over the next few days, over the next few weeks, over the next few months, that, that God would, would just give us clear opportunities that we just step in just like this, that we'd be busy and active and it'd be a mighty faith that would come out of us. Faith that takes a step, dynamic faith that takes a step. Dynamic faith that speaks out. Dynamic faith that, that works out in our lives. Not just changing us, but that we look to help other people and to lighten their load and make it easier for them. I, I just don't think there'd be anything that would please God more than if we just pray, God, strengthen my faith. Not just for myself, but that it would come out as I help other people throughout the day. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that challenges us challenges us just like we, we heard about and just a, a test to examine our faith and see if it's in us. But Father, I pray that, that even as we hear your word here in James chapter 2, that Lord, our faith would begin to strengthen and, and your Holy Spirit inside of us would just say, yeah, that, this is the time. It's time to take a step. It's time to speak out. It's time to work out your faith. God, we, we pray you'd give us opportunities that our eyes would be open that we would see the opportunities that you place before us over the next few days, over the next few weeks, and even months. Lord, that our faith would be even stronger. That, that, Lord, even before we ever tell someone that we have faith in Christ, they'll see it in our life by our actions. Just as James said, both pedals of the bike, like we talked about, working in tandem together, that our faith is shown through our actions, just like Abraham. And just like Rahab, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.